Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. Going though, um, so if you all would um, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, um, uh, we are uh, continuing our sermon series into the book of Luke, um, and we are, uh, we're calling this series The Unexpected King, because Jesus' arrival was unexpected for uh, a king. You know, we wouldn't expect a king to come the way that Jesus did, but also the way that he, he kind of was introduced onto the scene was unexpected for a king. And the way that he teaches is not the way that we would expect for a king. Um, and his rule, his kingdom right now is not what we would expect from a normal king. And so Jesus is the unexpected king. Um, this is the third week where we are looking at Jesus's Sermon on the Plain. It's kind of a little um, series within a series. Um, so we're going through the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, this section is building on the same theme that Jesus has taught on for the last two weeks. So I want to review that real quick. In the first week, Jesus outlined the Beatitudes and the Woes. He described blessings for those who go through earthly struggles, but woe to those who find their comfort in the things of this world. And then the highlight of each of those was when Jesus talked about how others treat you. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for their faith, but then woe to you who are afraid to offend others by speaking God's word. Now, I'm paraphrasing that, obviously, but that was the idea that Jesus was relating Right? Woe to you, or sorry, blessed are you who are persecuted for your faith, but woe to you who are afraid to offend others by speaking God's truth. So that was the first week. Then the second week, Jesus expanded on his expectations of his believers for when they are being persecuted. He said, Blessed are you when you are persecuted for your faith. And then he said, To love your enemies. So instead of seeking revenge when we're being persecuted, we are to show God's grace and God's mercy. Because this is what God did for us. We sinned against him. We were his enemies, but yet he still offers, he gives us grace by offering forgiveness. And he gives us mercy by offering salvation. I got that backwards. He gives us mercy by offering forgiveness, and he gives us grace by offering salvation. There we go. That was right. Um, And then it is important for us to remember that when we get into, it's important for us to remember that when we get into this week's text, because it's the same idea that Jesus is now going to expand on, right? It's like he's, he's peeling back the layers of this onion, and these layers are all on the same theme. And, well, much like an onion, sometimes these layers can be a little bit bitter once we bite into them. So uh, we'll get into this. We're going to be in verses uh, 37 to 42 this morning. And the, 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 main, or sorry, the title for this sermon is Passing Judgment. But the main idea is that Jesus' disciples show grace and mercy. Now, Last week, the main idea was that Jesus' disciples show love. And like I said, we're just peeling back the layers of the onion. And so we're just going a layer deeper. Instead of just that Jesus' disciples show love, well, how, <clears throat> so how do they show love? It's by showing grace and mercy. So the, the, I have this text broken into three divisions, uh, and that's do not judge. Then there's the blind leading the blind, and then a plank in your eye. So I'll pray, and we'll get into this text. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open up your text, I pray that you will illuminate it for us. Show us the areas of our lives where we need to surrender to you. Show us the areas of our lives that we can be more like you and help us, Lord, to, uh, to reflect your glory to those around us. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'll get right into this text. Starting in verse 37. He says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So Jesus starts this section off by saying, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. This, this, uh, these two sentences are probably some of the most quoted texts in Scripture. Unfortunately, a lot of times, they are taken out of context and used by someone who is doing something that they know they're not supposed to be doing, but they don't want to be called out on it. Or even worse, sometimes it's, it's Christians who use these texts as an excuse to be able to, to get away with their sin and muzzle other Christians from speaking out against them. Like, I know I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm, what I'm doing, but, but you can't judge me because Scripture says, do not judge. But that's taking this completely out of context of what Jesus is saying. This is all flowing together with the last two weeks of what Jesus has been teaching. Right before this, Jesus said, Blessed are you when you are persecuted for your faith. And then he said, uh, Love those persecutors by showing grace and mercy. So when we keep this verse in context... Jesus is telling his disciples that when they are persecuted, they are not to quit witnessing to their persecutors. See, if we stop sharing the gospel, we are giving up hope that somebody would be saved. Or possibly even worse, if we stop sharing the gospel with somebody, we might actually be hoping that they don't get saved. That's a scary thought. And so when Jesus says, do not judge, do not condemn, He's telling us that we are not in our hearts to hope that somebody does not find salvation. If we stop sharing the gospel with somebody because they are persecuting us, then in our heart, we are hoping, we are condemning them to hell because we don't want them to be saved. When he says, do not condemn, he's saying, keep striving, keep hoping, keep witnessing to them and hoping that they can be saved. When we look at our enemies, remember what Jesus already said. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for your faith and to love your enemies. Do not judge. The way that we do not condemn is to treat them the way that God treated us, with mercy. Or as Jesus says here, forgive and you will be forgiven. Jesus teaches when, or Jesus teaches that when we are persecuted for our faith, we are to offer our enemies the same forgiveness that God gave to us. In verse 36, Last week, Jesus said, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. If God offered forgiveness to us, even though we sinned against Him and rejected Him, we are to pass that forgiveness on to those who persecute us. In fact, if we refuse to forgive our persecutors and instead withhold that, um, withhold that forgiveness, then we are, in, in, in essence, rejecting them. We are passing, instead of passing that forgiveness on that God gave to us, we are withholding it. We withhold the gospel in some spiteful plan for them to receive eternal punishment. Jesus says that we don't truly understand just how sinful we are and how much God gave up when he forgave us. We have not truly accepted the forgiveness that God gave us if we fail to forgive others. If we truly, uh, if we truly understand how great our offense is against God, and we are willing to accept his forgiveness, when we truly understand how radical that is, 
then we will not be able to condemn others for their offenses against us. You've probably heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. Right? I'm going to say that again. Hurt people hurt people. And that phrase basically means is that when somebody has been hurt deeply in the past, that often that will show itself in their future relationships by hurting other people. Hurt people hurt people. So I'm going to turn that phrase on its head and paraphrase what Jesus says here. Forgiven people forgive people. When we've been forgiven by God for our sin against him, we pass that forgiveness on to others in our future relationships. When we experience the joy and peace of being forgiven, we pass that forgiveness on to others in the future. But see, when we were enemies of God, he did not just treat us with mercy. He also gave us grace. Or as Jesus said back in verse 35, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. In the same way that we allow God's forgiveness to flow through us, we allow his grace to flow also. Remember, grace is getting something good that you don't deserve. And that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Basically stuffing as much in there as possible. That much will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. When the disciples, or when the disciple has experienced God's grace, it is simply too good to keep it to ourselves. So we share that grace with those around us. We, when we give freely, God provides even more grace for us. God blesses us so that we can bless others. And when we show that we use his blessings to bless others, then he will continually pour those blessings onto us. Even our enemies or in keeping in the context of this passage, especially our enemies. When we give God's grace to our enemies, he continually pours down that grace onto us. And speaking of grace, let's look specifically at salvation. We can't earn it, but God gives it to us anyway because of his love. In turn, we continue to share the gospel, continue to love our neighbors, and continue to love our enemies. They don't deserve our love, now, that sounds harsh to say that in today's culture, that somebody doesn't deserve love. Now, I'm not saying that people don't deserve love because each and every one of us are created in God's image. And because of that, we all deserve love. But when somebody sins against you, when somebody offends you, it sure feels like they don't deserve your love. But that in itself is even more reason to love our enemies. Right? They bear the image of God, but even when they don't act in a godly manner, or when they act in ways that are directly uh, an offense to God's character, we still love them. One of the most loving things that we can do for them is to continue to share the gospel with them. If we truly believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation, then refusing to share the gospel is hateful. Refusing to, to share the gospel with someone because they are persecuting us is pretty much like saying that we want them to go to hell because that because of the way that they're treating us. That actually sounds like we would be trying to judge and condemn them. So when Jesus says, do not judge and do not condemn, he's telling us to continue to share the gospel with those who persecute us because God was gracious and merciful to us when we rejected him. God was gracious and merciful to us even though we deserve hell, but he still gave us grace. He still loved us. He still sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And in the same way, when others mistreat us, when others persecute us for our faith, then we continue to give God's grace and God's mercy. 
Jesus continues, or well, I guess Luke continues, that Jesus also told them a parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So he starts off with this phrase, can the blind lead the blind? Won't they both go into a pit? See, at first, this parable seems to come out of nowhere and be disconnected from, with, or disconnected from the, the rest of what Jesus is teaching on. And I think part of this is because there's so much common sense in this phrase that we just kind of gloss right over it and forget that this does come in context with everything else. The common sense aspect of this is so easy to see that we just gloss right over it. And we, we fail to see how it's supposed to fit in with the rest of the text. But it's that common sense that is the beauty of Jesus' teaching. We can all understand what, what this phrase means on its own. And so we need to take the truth of this phrase and put it in with what the rest of Jesus is saying. Right, so the parable is there to explain and expand on the lesson. The lesson is to love those who persecute you by showing grace and mercy and not to judge them. Love your persecutors. Don't judge them. Therefore, if someone has not received God's grace and mercy, they cannot possibly give that grace and mercy to someone else. If someone has not received salvation, they cannot lead someone else to salvation. An, unser- an unsaved person leading someone else to salvation would be like the blind leading the blind. I'm going to say that again. If someone has not received salvation, they cannot lead someone else to salvation. If somebody is claiming to be a Christian and then being persecuted for it, well, that do not judge is going to be really hard for them to do. If somebody is claiming to be a Christian, but they're not really a Christian, and they're being persecuted for it, then that do not condemn, it's going to be really hard for them to do that. Because we show forgiveness, we show mercy, because we get it from God, and we use it to lead others to God. If we're not getting that from God, we cannot give it to somebody else. So if you're not receiving that grace and mercy from God then it's like the blind leading the blind. Instead, Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Our teacher is Jesus. He came, he's the one who came to deliver salvation. He is the one who came, he is the instrument of God's grace and mercy. He took our punishment so that we could be forgiven. He sacrificed himself so that we could be adopted into God's family. This is the sacrificial love that was displayed by our teacher. And if we surrender to him, then we can love like him. And finally, Jesus gives one more illustration to drive this point home. He says, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eyes, or your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the splinter in your eye, when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye? Hypocrite! First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to, look at, uh, to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. So this whole, um, it's not really a parable, but this, this illustration that Jesus has given here. Um, you know, Jesus likes to use hyperbole in his teaching, is, is making a point by blowing things, uh, you know, making huge exa- exaggerations. Right? So this is hyperbole. And this, this morning's text, when you're looking at this hyperbole here, this morning's text can easily feel like three different passages that get taken out of context and wrongfully given different meanings, right? This text is often used as as ammunition for retaliation when somebody confronts us about our sin. Instead of accepting that rebuke, we punch back by pointing out all their little sins. 
Right? We are sinning, and somebody confronts us on that sin, and we say, well, what about all your little mistakes? What about all those little things that you did? What about all your sins? You can't point out my sins. Take the, the beam of wood out of your eye before trying to take the splinter out of my eye. Or sometimes, because of this text being taken out of context, we're afraid to hold other Christians accountable for their sins because we know that we have our own sins that we're struggling with. But Jesus is not changing the subject here. Remember, this verse, this whole passage, is about treating our enemies with love. It's about being persecuted for your faith and responding in love. He's not taking it out of time. He's not changing the subject and, and taking it out of context. He's building on a theme and deepening the lesson that he's been laying out already. So again, quick review. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for your faith. Love your enemies, presumably these same persecutors, by showing them grace and mercy. Do not condemn them to hell. Instead, show them grace and mercy by continuing to share the gospel with the hopes that they will be saved. So Jesus is saying that if you cannot share God's love with your enemy by offering grace and mercy, then you are just as bad as they are. Or even worse, because you claim to know God, but still refuse to obey him. And Jesus doesn't sugarcoat his next words. Hypocrite. Well, that one, ooh. That's a scary sound for Jesus to call you a hypocrite or Jesus to call me a hypocrite. That's a scary sound, but that's what he says. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. If you can't share God's love with your enemy by offering grace and mercy, then you don't really believe what you say. You have not truly placed your faith in Jesus. You have not believed the gospel and you're not saved. I told you in the introduction that the layers of this onion can be quite bitter. But thankfully, Jesus has the solution. He offers us the solution. Let me, let me rephrase that. Jesus is the solution. He says, remove the beam from your own eye. Return to the gospel. Place your faith in Jesus for salvation. Accept God's grace and mercy. And once we have found the gospel, then we can lead others to it also. And as I said, this is not an easy lesson to hear. And most definitely not an easy lesson to put into practice. Now, I'm not saying that after salvation that we'll be perfect at this. Right? We will all fail at times. But it is those times that we fail that we need to return to God's mercy, return to God's grace, return to the gospel. I'm not saying that we lost our salvation and we need to be saved again. That's not what I'm saying. But return to the lessons of the gospel, the realization that we are sinful, broken people. And outside of God's power, we cannot act like God. We will fail at times, but it is those times when we fail that we return to God's mercy and ask forgiveness. We return to God's grace and we seek his power to share his love with our enemies. So we get to our application of this passage. And our application always comes from our definition of a disciple, which we get from Matthew 4:19, where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And so the follow me part is where we say uh, that, uh, sorry, we have our, our three indicators. It's knowing, being, and doing. And the follow me is the no so our no application is to know grace and mercy come from God. To know that grace and mercy come from God. Over the past two weeks, Jesus has taught us that we are not to condemn our enemies, but rather to love them by showing them grace and mercy. And we can only give grace and mercy if we have some to give. And we can only get that from God himself. If you have not yet accepted God's gift of salvation, he is still calling you. He is still offering you this gift. He is still willing to forgive you. But like any gift, it can be accepted or rejected. 
You accept this gift by placing your faith in Jesus. That he was sacrificed as a payment for your sins, taking the punishment and buying your forgiveness. And, and though he was crucified on the cross and buried in the grave, he was resurrected on the third day, defeating death and proving that he is God and worthy of our worship. So to know grace and mercy come from God. Our B application comes right from that. It's to be gracious and merciful. Once we have placed our faith in Jesus, we can share the grace and mercy that he gave to us. Grace and mercy are, not, are often not easy for us because they go against our sinful desire for revenge and retaliation. It's easy to be nice when somebody is nice to you. But that's not mercy. Mercy is forgiving others when they mistreat you for your faith. See, it's easy to exchange gifts because we are expecting something in return. But that's not grace. Instead, grace is giving gifts when that person has not done anything to earn it. As Jesus' disciple, he calls us to be gracious and merciful because that's how God treated us, and that's how we display our faith. And our final application, the do, is to share the gospel. One of the clearest ways that we can be gracious and merciful is to share the gospel with our enemies. When people persecute Christians, our sinful heart wants to judge them and condemn them to hell for all eternity. But rather, Jesus says that we are to love them and to guide them, guide them to him. Instead of condemning them to hell, we lead them to Jesus. So our three application points again is to know that grace and mercy come from God, be gracious and merciful, and share the gospel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've protected your word for us through the generations so that we can hear your voice. Lord, this morning's text is not an easy one to hear. It's not an easy one to teach. Lord, I know I have my own sins. And so it's hard for me to stand up here and to teach this text. God, I just pray that you will help us to return to you every time, to return to you each and every day, every moment, to seek your strength, to seek your grace, and to seek your mercy so that we can share it with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit victorybaptisthopemills.com or facebook.com slash vbchopemills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.